Hello there, I'm Bar Ruven. I'm the co-founder of the CAT 669 Alumni Association and the Executive Vice President of Development for the American Friends of Unit 669, aka AFU 669. In addition to my unit work, I'm an entrepreneur. I sold my first startup called Mishlachov a few years ago, and I'm now the co-founder and CEO of this year. And I'm Dr. Jonathan Pfeffer. I'm an innovation and mentoring expert. I help U.S. and Israeli startups and multinationals design and implement their innovation strategy. I'm a mentor and judge at Harvard's Innovation Lab and the mentoring supervisor at the CAT 669 Alumni Association, among others. Lastly, I also teach innovation management and strategy at Reichman University. Our guest today served as a combat soldier in Team 32. He was an officer and team leader and holds a bachelor's degree in accounting and economics from Tel Aviv University and an MBA from MIT. He's a senior manager of product management supply chain in Amazon and lives in Santa Monica with his wife and two kids. Jonathan Saref, welcome and thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. So let's start from uh, in a high level. What are you doing in Amazon? What's your role? How your day looks like? Um, so I joined Amazon five years ago. Um, around three years ago, I um, identified an opportunity. And basically, um, the team was an idea on a piece of paper. Um, when the piece of paper said something like supply chain by Amazon. And the idea or the, the vision was to externalize and commercialize Amazon supply chain infrastructure to non-Amazon.com sellers. So if you're a big company, let's say a fake name, Adidas, and you want to uh, use Amazon supply chain as a four-party logistic company, um, now you can do that um, by integrating to Amazon standalone infrastructure via tech that we've been building for the past three years. Um, the team was 18 people when I joined it as the first product manager, got to grow it towards the 300 people. Um, and build supply chain tech um, to support the vision. You know, it's very interesting. When you, when you describe this, of course, it, in my mind, maybe in our viewer, not viewers, listeners' minds, uh, they think of AWS as well, right? This, this idea that Amazon can identify things that it does internally for its own operations, that then it realizes there's a value for it, a value proposition that can build around it for other companies. What do you think, from your perspective, in Amazon enables it to be able you know, to, to do this sort of move, to identify something internally, check that it's actually valuable in the market, create an offering around it, and then market it, right? Bring people like you to actually create a new value proposition. You know, it's funny that you asked and you started with AWS because when we tried selling this dream to Amazon senior leadership, we, that's exactly the analogy that we use. We said, what AWS did to the cloud, we want to do to supply chain. And like the pick and go, pay as you choose and scale as you need model is exactly what we're offering. I think that, you know, if you do something um, more than a thousand times, you perfect it. Amazon does things at a scale that allows it to perfect a lot of different things. And then analogies and ideas just emerge. And then there's a very, very rigid process of how you go and approve an idea. You write what we call a PR FAQ press release, frequently asked question document. This is in essence a vision document that is written in a future way um, that allows um, leadership to read a newspaper article to describe a product from the customer standpoint or customer point of view. That oh. um, allows you to go deep and like understand exactly what the customer pain point is and what, how are you solving it from a customer landscape um, and then go and build towards this vision in an incremental or iterative way. I think that's the process at Amazon that together with the scale just allow to great idea to emerge and go and execute. How was it to, to, to start a new idea in Amazon? I mean, did you feel as you're working for a 
huge corporate or to a startup company or somewhere in between? The answer is always something in between, right? Uh, <laughs> but um, it's, it was interesting because like on one hand, you have all the resources and you have the brand name that allows you to, for example, hire people at very high speed. So we grew the team in the first year from 18 toward the 120 people. It was a sprint. We focused on that. That was one of our top priorities. But not all startup has the luxury of a brand name that just attract top talent, right? Or the money to pay for this talent. Yeah. So from a brand name and sourcing, you're like well-funded mm. on one hand. But from tech standpoint and building stuff, you're building from scratch, greenfield completely. Um, so it was something in the middle and like um, and Amazon is trying to live up to its reputation of it's always day one. Mm -hmm. That's a mantra that you hear at Amazon in, in the corridors like every day. And that basically means that we don't say, oh, we have all the funding, so we're going to wait mm -hmm. for uh, three years before we put something in the market. Uh, we were pressed by our leadership to put something in the market right out of the first year, like a startup, like go to the market fast. Get feedback. So you like, can make don't some treat yourself as a process. Hmm. A lot of mistakes. <laughs> mm -hmm. You mentioned some of the benefits of being part of a big corporation when you or, or a big organization with resources, um, especially one like Amazon. That, as you said, its ethos or DNA is it's always day one, so it's a unique combination between kind of a startup mentality and, and a big established uh, incumbent. What are some of the challenges? that you think, let's say, compared to other organizations you've worked with or a uh, startup, what are some of the challenges of starting something f really new at a very not new company, right, an established company? Um, you know, I assume some of, the, some of the efficiencies or the knowledge that's acquired from doing things not just a thousand times but 10,000 times in such an organization, you know, there's a f probably a flip side to that in terms of when you coming and trying to do something new so you know diplomatically if you can share some of the challenges also and then there's like there is a chain of command and the more you have a chain of command that you need to report to and, and like um, and provide evidence before you go and do something um, it takes more time right uh, when for example we debated whether to build or to buy some of the system that we needed to externalize this vision and that that process itself took us around two three months to make a decision and convince everyone because it was a big decision. There was a lot of money involved in bu mm -hmm. building everything from scratch as opposed to going and buying some SaaS product that is available at the market currently. Uh, but we decided to build because of many reasons that I cannot share. But um, at the end, like this process took us two, three months. And I'm assuming that if you work for a startup, you can make this decision in three days. Yeah. Like because you don't need to convince anyone that this is the right decision to do. So a lot of good, strong opinions, a lot of very talented leaders. But if you sit together in a room with many talented people, you'll probably get differing opinions from different people. And then convincing without evidence, think about startup. You don't have any evidence, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't know what the customer wants. Everyone has their hypothesis, mm -hmm. but it's, guess, it's a guessing game. So that could be taking more time to move than in a company that is owned and managed by two people. Mm -hmm. Most of the suppliers today use uh, your solution in Amazon or no? Most of the suppliers is a very broad term, right? There's like <laughs> literally billions of suppliers in the world. Uh, there are paying customers for the product, uh, that's the question, but like we are still in um, our early days, so mm -hmm. ramping up. Yeah. 
Okay, and the vision for in, in your vision, not even Amazon. I assume it's also aligned with Amazon's, but like, if you kind of you know close your eyes and try to think of the most rosy uh, future for this uh, new business, what, what does it look like? Hands off the wheel experience to all your like supply chain needs. So you give your you give Amazon your data and your um, commodity inventory, mm-hmm. and the rest just follows without any intervention. You know, I'm curious, maybe I'm completely off, but uh, I'm gonna go on a limb or I don't know. Um, you mentioned, you know, uh, when you mentioned um, that part of the challenges of being uh, an entrepreneur in a huge organization is the chain of command and having many talented people, having to convince them and not having uh, always all the evidence you need. Um, sounded to me like especially when you said chain of command right remind me of like your army service is there anything that you can think of that is a corollary that either either by um by similarity helped you or by the opposite or by just being opposites in terms of your experience in 669 with the chain of command there with with being with, with a team there with maybe having to um you know align everyone together to do stuff um, and Amazon um, first Amazon is an organization that loves uh, military people and um, that's in fact not uh, <laughs> it's an observation but like that people from the American military is like are embedded at Amazon like um, pretty well um, I think like from the unit perspective there's the fact that we can work hard and like um, work in environments of ambiguity and like unknown situations. Um, that really helps working at Amazon because like one of the expectations from Amazon leaders is to be able to navigate ambiguity and mm. succeed in, in and not freeze when you don't know the right answer, but keep moving. There's mm. like leadership principle that Amazon pride itself and actually work by. Um, two of them that comes in mind are basically bias for action, mm-hmm. which means that like we move. We don't wait until we have all the data. We move because not moving has a bigger cost than just freezing and waiting for more data to become available. Mm. The second one that is interesting and like is, is kind of um, military related is disagree and commit. Um, we can debate, we can disagree in meetings and meeting get like hotly debated in a second because a lot of talented people are expressing their opinion in a very free way, which I appreciate. <laughs> I think that's great. Um, it's very but at the end, yeah. Yes, that's the, at the end, we need to make a decision and move forward with it. Yeah. So we can disagree and commit about a certain idea. So if I'm in a meeting and I believe something very strongly, I would do my best to convince the audience in, in, my, in, in me being right. But at the end, we're trying to be right at the end of the meeting, not the, the beginning of the meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if, even if I disagree with the decision that was made, I need to disagree and commit to this decision. Mm-hmm. And if you think about like a squad leader yeah. in our unit, Right, saying this is what we need to do, even yeah. if there's his squad does not think that this is yeah. that this is the right thing to do. We still need to keep operating as one unit and one squad towards the mission because otherwise it just becomes chaotic in, in no time. Is there a lot of competition between all of these uh, leaders and uh, smart people? Because it sounds a little in bit my five years at at Amazon, I can say that there's a healthy competition. Like people are hardworking and everyone has like aspiration for their careers, but I never felt like I'm in a fight mm-hmm. over my place or like people are trying to push me away or stuff like that. At the end, 
one of the other leadership principles being right a lot. Like that's the company is trying to be right in, in our decision making. So there's like, uh, at the end, if you're right at a meeting, people follow you mm. because they want to be on the right side of things. Yeah. Oh, if only it was like that in politics. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not that's right, right or left. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, well, yeah, yeah, I didn't mean that kind of right. <laughs> I, know, I mean, I just know. like <laughs> following someone because they've proven themselves. That's what yeah. I mean. Um, so, um, you know, you make it sound... And you don't make it sound I mean it sounds authentically from when you're describing it uh like a almost like a dream place or a dream job or a very good place to be in and develop professionally um you know if there is a younger Jonathan uh out there uh twenty something uh fresh out of the army and thinking, oh you know you know listening to this Jonathan you and um And uh, thinking, ah, I want to be there like what will be the path um i, I we know we've you've had an m b you know we have the some uh, education here uh, in Israel and then MIT in the US and then you interned right at Amazon. Is there like a golden path to Amazon or what would it take? I don't know if we can like deduct from my case that there's a golden path. I can tell you that like my way to Amazon was uh, full of coincidence. Um, I was a at best mediocre accountant working in Israel um, and I was looking for a way to Out of the field because I didn't feel it's it's my destiny um, a friend told me that like I need to go to work in the US and that would open a lot of doors then I started looking for a way to go to the US and someone told me oh there's a back door it called an MBA they <laughs> forgot to say how expensive this back door is but never mind um, so I went for that when I got accepted to MIT I didn't know what I wanted to do um, I knew I wanted to get embedded into tech and someone told me that becoming a product manager is nearly impossible if you don't have technical background so coming from the unit when someone tell you that something is nearly impossible I said oh that's what I want to do New challenge. Um, <laughs> um, so I just decided to go for it luckily I was able to get a, like a summer intern at Amazon and from there like the door was open and like it's all about you but I think that people do want to break into Amazon needs to think like the If they don't want to go down the path of like an MBA which is one way um, the other way is like to think what Amazon does and what Amazon is like strongest and go to work for their competitor and then there there is a good chance that you're going to be uh, there's a good chance that Amazon would be Targeted. interested in hiring them mm-hmm. yes in the future because at the end like we're looking for relevant industry experience right so mm-hmm. if you want to work for Amazon uh, prime music or offerings um, if you'll work for Spotify you learn a lot mm-hmm. about the industry and you become like a, mm-hmm. a, a, a very competitive offer for yeah. a hiring manager that would have an open position do you and, and Amazon uh, are looking for more of their personality or more of the professional um, skills yeah skills I question it's a, it's a combination of both again like when we interview and I interview a lot in Amazon there's um, a program that we call a bar razor and Um, which is basically people that are kind of like the video vote at the end of an interview cycle with the candidate I'm serving as part of this problem I took the training and I've been doing that for quite a while um, so I got to interview a lot of people and like wonder with myself about Amazon like hiring philosophy at the end it's a combination of like what you know and what you are it's not just about what you know it's not just about what you are um, and there's different levels of the seniority that you can get in so if the what you are is very strong but your work experience is pretty like thin you would just pass the interview loop but 
12 lower seniority position mm, um i see that kind but we interview most about behavioral be- like um questions and understand how you behave in certain situations mm-hmm. based on your work experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i want to take a uh, kind of a sharp turn but um we were talking about so far a lot about um the really interesting experience you've had in uh, in Amazon, still have in Amazon. So I'm, I'm curious about your experience with 669. Uh, how was it to serve at the unit? How did you get to it? Was it something you always wanted? Was it by chance? Um, what was the what did the experience itself include? Was there some up t- upsides, downsides, you know, things you still get back to uh, from time to time and kind of reminisce and think about? Um, sure. Um, my time in the military was a very strong development period in my life. Like I can say that I was not the man I am today if I wasn't serving for this unit. I'm 100% positive that this is part of my four pillars and, 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 um, achievements in, in life. Um, specifically there's like tons of rescues that I was part of. Um, uh, we can talk about like the most significant thing that I remember is um, in protective edge operation uh, when I was in reserve duty mm-hmm. already. I was 29 back then, um, had a wife, um, had a life, complete life, and I wasn't like serving for, for a living back then. Um, and then your proportion and perspective about everything that happens kind of sh- shifted. Um, when you're like young and in like your early military days, like just want to go to rescue and like you don't think about anything else. Like you hear the siren and just run to the chopper and, and start operating. And Protective Edge was the first time that I went on a chopper and, and and started thinking about my own family and what would happen if something would happen to me. Mm. And then we we got a call for um um a for a team of um, um of the parachuters that um that that got um hit. And my brother was serving there at the same time. Oh. Um, and I didn't know if I'm gonna see him or not. And that was like, the, like the, we've been trained to operate like robots, like professionals in these situations. So I did everything I could, like and everything we learned in my in our training and like how to mm-hmm. disconnect um, your go about that. Disconnect your emotion from like the, the battlefield and just go and operate. And we did it. And Luckily, nothing happened to my brother. He wasn't even involved in that right. um, scene. But um, it was like you know, when you realize that your personal life and your military life kind of connect and like meet at a certain mm-hmm. point, and like these are not standard only. That's kind of like the Israeli story, right? Everything happens right. within our country, our borders. And, like everything is connected. You cannot just like discard it and say, "Oh, this has nothing to do with me because it's sixty kilometers yeah. from my house." Like <laughs> everything is connected. That's uh, kind of like. The, the way I feel about Israel as a whole and, and the, my military service. So it's, it's all connected. Um, I wasn't emotionally connected to it when I was younger, mm-hmm. but when you get older and you get perspective, that's yeah, you understand it uh, only years after. I want to get back to, um, to Amazon. If there is anything um, in the near future that we are going to, and that you can share with us, and um, I don't know if Amazon is going to get into new industries, new verticals, uh, new products. Well, uh, maybe if I, I can add a little yeah, bit to it. Sure. We've seen now, I've been playing uh, with ChatGPT for a while, the AI, which is really nice. Right. Um, I've been playing with the with ChatGPT, which is the text one, uh, the language model. 
my husband's been there playing with Midjourney, which yeah, is the too. visual, uh, and it's amazing. I mean, I can see how it's going to change a lot of things. But but specifically, and kind of kind of circling back to Amazon, uh, you know, what was on everyone's mind when they started seeing what ChatGPT can do is, oh, Google is, uh, oops, you know, like oops for mm. Google. Um, is there anything that you think, um, not not even maybe official Amazon, but like you think that um, companies like Amazon should be um, looking at and, and planning for in the near future? I think that like there, there's like few markets that like companies are now um, moving into. We see we've seen like the platform e-commerce and advertisement like revolution happening when all the companies kind of flip sides where Facebook got into marketplace and Amazon got into advertising and starts switching places in terms of how they generate revenues, right? Uh, I think now the, the industry is kind of full of that. And now like the, the next generation of innovation is coming. So there's generative AI, as you mentioned, that like is very hot. Uh, there is um, quantum computing that is probably the future of cloud computing as we know it. Um, autonomous vehicles that's going to bring a new set of business problems to everyone that is dealing with supply chain and deliveries mm -hmm. and stuff like that, right? Like just think about the business use case to enable. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of room to grow. Um, and among all of these, data is still going to play a huge part of it. So the ability to process enormous amount of data in, in, in short time and to present it to users and business insights also is going to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if what Amazon is doing about that because Amazon is like Luxembourg, right? It's huge. It's one point. 8 million people across the globe. Um, but I'm sure that um, they're making the right investment in the right areas. Um, unfortunately, we don't have visibility to everything that comes from that. <laughs> One more you know, follow-up question on that. I mean, it, it was very clear you immediately kind of uh, brought up all these issues and how they can, what their use cases are, all these trends and technologies and, and changes. What are their use cases and uh, potential developments and and you said, you know, there's a lot of data to to, uh, to, to look at and to connect. So for you, as a team leader in uh, in uh, Amazon, how do you, and, and all of this, actually, I can, as you mentioned it, I can see how it ties into your own initiative in Amazon, right? Um, you know, autonomous vehicles, mm -hmm. data, quantum computing, all this stuff eventually is uh, what Amazon runs on. So... Uh, how do you wrap your brains around it? Like, is there a, a formal way that you read about this, read about that, then you meet with the team and you brainstorm together? Or is it something that there is a completely different department that is like looking into the future and you hear about it later on in a kind of internal conference in Amazon about it or, or what? Um, innovation at Amazon is embedded in the company DNA. There's no like a, a department that is doing innovation as a standalone, like, um, discipline mm -hmm. right like so at amazon like you have an idea you go you write a paper on that and you start convincing people and i've seen hundreds of teams evolve from this process so it's not like a myth or like it's not like the google 20 percent of your time is going to work on something it's like it's extra work but if you believe in something you see a trend mm -hmm. um go and work on that it could be small initiatives like i want to replace something that the warehouse associate is using in a different um Technology, we go, we do an experiment, cheap, scrappy experiment. We go, we prove the need, and then mm -hmm. we go for it. Or it could be something huge, like I want to build a team and a system that will then be a thousand team, a thousand people team. Mm -hmm. 
you need to convince people, as we talked about at the beginning Politics. of the conversation. But and it's uh, yeah, but at the end, it's uh, people are innovating across the company. It's not uh, from a formal way. Um, it's there is none. Like there is no formal way for innovation. I think that's uh, on that everyone would agree. Um, Amazon fired, uh, we're going to, to hear this podcast in about a few weeks or months. Um, yeah, so um, Amazon just fired Your 18. Your prediction is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's already done. Um, not a small number of people. Um, why is that if, if Amazon is such a successful uh, company? It's because of the, the market uh, uh, status, if it's an opportunity or just because they need to? I don't think about it as an opportunity. I think that um, in business, um, the goal at the end is to be profitable. That's pure capitalism. That's the way the world today, as we know it, works. Um, and I think that during the pandemic, we saw a lot of spikes in demand to different services that Amazon is providing. Um, we didn't know back then. Retrospectively, we, were all, we are all very smart to know these were yeah. spikes. But back then, if you read the news um, from there, you hear about, oh, like this is an expediter to e-commerce, an mm -hmm. expediter to cloud computing. Right. And then you start feeding your algorithms and your prediction models with those data points and you see growth that is endless, yeah. basically exponential <laughs> growth that's never going to end. And you hire according to that because, A, people are optimistic in their nature and they want to believe that something good is going to last. Um, the cost of money, interest rate was very low for a very long time. It's kind of created a situation of the perfect storm that yeah. <laughs> no one knew to predict in which part of the like the curve yeah. we are. Um, now we know. And what we see now is companies going back to the sizes of pre-pandemic. Hmm. Um, that's the reality. Like there's like clear cut of like hmm. revenues, growth, and like there's a lot of charts in online about that. It's not I didn't make it up. Um, so I think Amazon is examining where we're not efficient. And when we hired to places that demand has not materialized as we expected, and we are shifting focus to make sure that the customer promise would never be um, deteriorate and that the prices that yeah. we charge customers would remain like competitive. It's not because of a trend or because of uh, an opportunity to like use the market trend for your own benefit. Mm -hmm. That's my perception. No one asked me. <laughs> so I want to talk to specifically and ask you specifically about uh, a young uh, Jonathan Soref. In particular, let's say Amazon had a new service where you press a button and you move back in time. And that button moved you to when you were, how old were you when you finished your army service? 24. 24. So let's go back to when you were 24, what piece of advice would you give a uh, 24-year-old Jonathan Sareff? I always do what you love and don't spend time trying to predict the future because you're going to be wrong either way. Um, Jonathan, I remember you uh, since we, we served in the military together as, uh, as tough and demanding uh, when you came and tested us uh, during our training course. So I'm not surprised that you managed to, to reach to wherever you are now in a, such a successful uh, company, a successful role. Uh, it sounds like you have a bright future in Amazon, so good luck with everything uh, you're going to achieve there. 
and thank you for uh, representing us there. So, yeah. so thank you again, and I want to thank the Ariel House Radio Studio in Tel Aviv for hosting us, and thank you, the other Jonathan. <laughs> uh, our podcast will be uploaded to Spotify, Apple Music, and we will advertise it through the AFU 669 marketing channels. And we know you want to get our newsletter, the podcast episode, or you want to get involved. So to do that, please join our mailing list or write us through our website at www.afu669.org. Thanks again. Thank you, Jonathan. Stay well, everyone, and we're looking forward to our next episode. Thank you. Bye-bye.